you know, it's really hard to get anywhere if you don't just commit full in and, and kind of have faith in the idea and have faith in really your intuition. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. On the podcast this week is Caitlin Magenthal, the founder and CEO of Pulp Pantry. And Pulp Pantry snacks are really your juice's other half. They're made with fiber-packed organic vegetables, fruits, and nut pulp from your favorite organic juiceries. And Caitlin is really on a mission to create progressive solutions to combat food waste and build healthy food access for all. And I was first introduced to Caitlin and Pulp Pantry last year when I was working on an event here in Los Angeles called the Women in Green Forum. And I remember Caitlin walked into the office with Pulp Pantry in hand, and I was so excited to try it. And I was so excited about just what she's doing in the world of food waste and impact and sustainability. And so when I was thinking about, oh my gosh, who do I want to bring on the podcast? Um, Caitlin felt like a no-brainer. So I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode and for you to really hear about the inspiration behind Pulp Pantry. And I'll give you a hint. It really started when she watched a friend juice a carrot. We talked about her entrepreneurial journey, the highs and the lows, and what it's really been like starting and launching a business in your early to mid-20s. We also talk about how she's really not allowed herself to live in fear or doubt. We also talk about the connection between core fears and core values, which was such an insightful moment. I don't even know if we've ever talked about something like this on this podcast before. And we also talk about just how it can be really difficult to develop balance for yourself and more self-awareness and self-compassion and self-love and and self-care when you're really in the middle of launching and growing your business. And this episode is just full of so many insightful, good moments moments both about business and in life and I am so excited for you guys to hear it. Plus, in celebration of this week's episode, Caitlin and I are teaming up for a little giveaway. So, to win a pack of three pulp pantry flavors, cinnamon toast, cacao crunch, and vanilla and sea salt, follow Seek the Joy podcast and Pulp Pantry on Instagram, like the post announcing the giveaway, and tag a friend that you'd like to share a bag with. Bonus entries for any additional friends that you tag. The giveaway will close this Sunday, May 20th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and the winner will be announced on Monday. I am so excited about this giveaway. I am so excited about this episode. So when you're done, or while you're even listening, make sure you go ahead and enter the giveaway. Before we dive into this week's episode, you know I have to share the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from Olivia Marie 0217, and it says, love this podcast. I cannot wait to hear more. So inspired by your guests and you, your voice is made for radio and podcast. Okay, that's like the nicest compliment ever. Thank you, Olivia Marie 0217. If you have been enjoying this podcast or if this podcast, I don't know, has inspired you in some way, I would be so grateful if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Ratings and reviews really help us get seen by new people. And I always love to read and share your thoughts on Seek the Joy podcast. So if you do leave us a rating and review, take 
take a screenshot of that review and send it to Sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com and I will send you my brand new guide for infusing more joy into your life as well as a couple of limited edition Seek the Joy podcast stickers. And as always, to learn more about today's episode, head over to the show notes section of our website, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show dash notes and everything is right there. All right, guys, that is it. I am so excited for you to hear this week's new episode with Caitlin of Pole Pantry. And don't forget to head to Instagram um, to enter our giveaway. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Caitlin. Caitlin, I am so excited to have you on Seek the Joy podcast. I'd love for you to share who you are, a little bit of who you are, and and how you got started with Pulp Pantry. Yeah, um, so I am I'm a passionate environmentalist, I should say, and that's really how I got my start with Pulp Pantry. Um, and and just really interested in living a zero waste lifestyle and kind of uh, what that meant from not only my, my food consumption, but also just beyond that and kind of adopting this mindset of, of good being goodwill fabulous, if you will. And yeah, and, um, yeah living with creative constraints that, that helped me live a more sustainable life. And um, really the start of Pole Pantry was, you know, when I was working in an urban garden in, in South Los Angeles, and it was this urban garden attached to an elementary school. And it was in a food desert. So basically what that means is that a lot of kids and families that live there don't have access to fresh, healthy food. And oftentimes that's either because of, you know, grocery stores being too far from walking distance and it's hard to actually get transport over to the grocery stores or just a lack of um, kind of investment in the community in general and and infrastructure to provide healthy food. And so in this food desert garden, I, I basically um, witnessed as kids were coming to the garden to, and experiencing, you know, what a carrot looks like for the first time and, um, and you know, coming in hating eating vegetables or coming in hmm. eating Twinkies, but all of a sudden watching the vegetable grow seed to sprout and being so excited and, you know, taking these recipes home to their parents and, you know, exclaiming that, that carrots were their favorite vegetable ever. Um, And so it was this really amazing moment of transformation that, that got me kind of passionate about this, this idea of food justice and how, um, you know, just having access to education and nutrition and adequate quit nutrition can really affect the ability for, for, someone to thrive and, and live a, a good life, right? And um, that everyone should have equal access to those opportunities. And then I, I was at a friend's house watching, you know, as she pulled out a juicer and started juicing a carrot and being someone from Chicago, I knew LA was like crazy with juiceries. I mean, they were everywhere, <laughs> but um, I had never actually seen anyone juice a vegetable before because I think a lot of the times you go to a juicery and the experience is that you, you know, you walk in and you see a, a bunch of juices that are already pre-bottled and they're kind of, you know, ready for you to grab and go. Um, and so we, as consumers, we really don't see the waste that's produced on the other side. And, and what I learned was that actually for every pound of juice producers, about three pounds of pulp left behind. You know, I, I'm watching my friend juice the carrot and I quickly realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, is that, is that really what happened you know there's the tiniest amount of liquid and she was like I'm really sorry I don't I don't actually know what to do with the with the pulp and it's just so funny because um basically that was who knew that that would be kind of what started this this idea to to on a larger scale you know work with juiceries to turn pulp into healthy snacks but on that day I just kind of took the pulp home and made carrot cookies and I realized I was like you know there's really something here and this is you know nutrition that shouldn't go to waste and that could actually be really valuable to to people in my community wow Okay, so this is so cool how you got started. Yeah, so did you have a background at all in food and food justice or did it really just 
click for you, you know, that moment that you just described, you know, where you went home and, and created these carrot cookies? Yeah, no, I um, had always been, I had always been really passionate about, you know, sustainability in general. And when you're young, you don't really necessarily know what that means. You just yeah. know that you care about the environment or you care about, you know, these different things. And, and um, for me, what happened during college was that I was taking a bunch of classes that were more about kind of the, the social justice and the kind of the social ramifications of living in a world that you know, we don't have a fair and equitable distribution of resources. And to me, like, that's really what stuck with the with the sustainability marrying to kind of um, this passion for humanity and caring about people and kind of having empathy for the fact that a lot of people, you know, across the world, but even in our own country, like we, it's really, really hard for us to make a living and to feed our families mm -hmm. and to do so in a healthy and sustainable manner. So, I think um, that's really what stuck for me. I started taking classes in urban policy and planning and, and social entrepreneurship and just kind of thinking through, like, how do we redesign? You know, we, we've been the creators of, of, I guess, the society as it is. And so I think by thinking a little bit outside of the box and thinking creatively about solutions to some of these issues, and I mean, we can kind of reinvent a more fair and just world for everyone and a more sustainable world for everyone. And I don't think it's too late to do so, but I know that, you know, and, and as people who are passionate about um, the social impact space. I mean, there's obviously so many issues in the world that we really need to find mm -hmm. solutions for now. Um, and I really found my place within social entrepreneurship and kind of marrying this solutions-oriented thinking to problem solving. Um, and that was definitely able to me. I think this is so incredible how you've really incorporated impact and social impact to be such a core part of who you are and also with Pulp Pantry and you're spot on. I mean, I think it's really incredible to see so many companies now who are really realizing this and wanting to incorporate sustainability and wanting to incorporate social impact into their models. And did you always want to be an entrepreneur or did it just kind of start to make sense as time went on? Um, no, yeah, I definitely did not ever envision uh, entrepreneurship as something <laughs> that I would get into or fall into. And I think that that's, you know, that's kind of the magic of just wanting to go through and, and problem solve is that you kind of realize, okay, well, maybe kind of the lowest hanging fruit is actually to just do it myself in a way. And I mean, yeah, you know, working in the nonprofit space or, or, or working in, um, in policy. And I think I definitely, I definitely heard a lot of things from people that were just made me feel like maybe that wasn't actually the best path for me, you know, and getting caught up in, uh, in the bureaucracy of things and, um, all of these structures that were kind of really hard to, to break barriers through. But I, I don't actually think, you know, I think that there is a role for people who are entrepreneurs to, to change things and, you know, leverage the tools of, of larger businesses and organizations to be able to, to make positive or to make meaningful positive change change. So I don't think that that's necessarily um, true that, you know, you can't, you can't make a change within a big organization. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely can. But um, for me, you know, it was just looking at the fact that I, called up a bunch of juiceries and none of them had a solution for recycling the pulp. And so I kind of realized, I was like, you know, if no one is providing this kind of service or solution, there's definitely a, a void in the market and there's definitely a gap where um, I can actually kind of fulfill a need. And so that's really what got me excited about creating this business was 
that I realized I really, um, you know, not that I don't have any competition uh, forever, but just that in that time and, and place, I mean, it was definitely something that was a clear need for. So when you were kind of going through this process, because I think it takes a lot of bravery and courage to really step out and do something on your own. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, not to say that you can't have an impact within a larger organization, but to have that realization for yourself that, hey, I could step out on my own or with a team and create something new and different and have that kind of impact that I want to have. I think it really takes a lot of guts, you know, to do that. When you were first getting started, did you have moments of doubt thinking like, can I really do this? Or did your passion really propel you through, throughout that whole beginning stage? For me, it's like, it's a constant ebb and flow of, you know, you have these, I mean, everyone will say this to you. Running a business is like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think in the beginning, you know, it was a lot of doubt and insecurity that I think kind of prevented me from jumping full in. And so it took me a while to actually, you know, I had this idea, maybe let's say it was the fall semester of my senior year. So fall of um, 2014 and in, in spring of 2015, I had been doing pitch competitions and kind of using the idea I hadn't incorporated as a business yet, but I was, you know, clearly out there like hustling and trying to get feedback on the idea and, and, and winning some pitch competitions that showed me, Hey, a lot of people actually believe in this too. Um, I graduated in May of 2015 and I was, really like one foot in one foot out. And, and, you know, I knew that pulp pantry had a lot of potential and that it was a viable business opportunity. But I also, as a, as a 22 year old, I was like, Oh, who am I to run a business? You know, like, how am I going to do this? I don't know what I'm doing. What's the next step. And I had all these questions that seemed really daunting and challenging. And so I was actually applying for jobs while still kind of thinking about, um, what the future, you know, what the future of pulp pantry might hold. And I think, um, you know, it's really hard to get anywhere if you don't just commit full in and, and kind of have faith in the idea and have faith in really your intuition. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I did that was the most beneficial and impactful things that I, I could have done in that time was I actually went on a three week, you know, um, I would call it, gosh, I'm trying to, trying to think of the word if you call it, not a, not a hiatus, but it's like a, like a sabbatical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was literally like a sabbatical and I just went and and kind of was in the wilderness and I was with, um, a friend and, and another family of the friend. And it was really interesting because, you know, we were super isolated. You don't have cell service, you don't have, you know, electronics or anything to be, um, to be kind of distracting you. And so I was alone with my thoughts. And basically I just realized, I was like, you know what? I am so passionate about this idea. And the only thing holding me back is really fear. Mm -hmm. And that's never a good excuse not to do something right. Like if you're fearful, you probably should do it because it's like, it means it probably means that you're onto something that, that really could be, um, could be a game changer to some extent. And so I just kind of was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to commit full in because I have nothing to lose. I don't have a family um, relying on me. And this is really one of the only times in my life where I can just uh, kind of throw all caution to the wind and just, you know, dive in head first. And so um, when I got back from the John Muir trail, that's when I incorporated and just put the resources together to actually get Pulp Pantry to a place where I could be um, scaling and growing a business. Um, and, and yeah, ever since then, I think, you know, I really, I am kind of the blind optimist and I think, you know, that's yeah. like naivete is one of the best things. And it's also, you know, it can be, um, it can be something that just allows you to dream bigger. Um, and so I'm always trying to connect back to that and just really get back to the kind of the central mission and vision for where this is going and not get too caught up in the the nitty gritty because there's definitely moments of doubt still, um, 
whether it comes up against, you know, when it's coming up against like supply constraints or capacity constraints and whatever else, where it's like, it gets really hard to, to think bigger and, and kind of keep on pushing on and along with this, like, this is going to be a big idea. And it doesn't mean that just these small little hurdles are, you know, the end all be all. And so I, I definitely think that like, yeah, like I think we were talking about before, you know, it's entrepreneurship is the, is the constant highs and lows. I mean, you just, you, you have to just kind of um, find a way to persevere because in the end, it's like the perseverance that really will, will get you through to see kind of the, the idea grow into, into really what its potential is. So when you're kind of stuck in that space of telling yourself like fear is not an excuse, I have to keep going. What, how do you, how do you actually push past that for yourself? Are there things that you do or has it become kind of like an inner, inner monologue? Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. It helps to just reflect and carve out space for reflection. I think too. I mean, I definitely, I definitely write a lot and that doesn't mean it's, I try not to write just during the hard times, but also, um, just in general to, to write you know, when I get ideas that really invigorate me, because then I look back at some of those notes and no matter what, where my mind is in that time, it kind of puts me back in that place of, of just dreaming big again. And so I think that's so important to just have these little messages to yourself that kind of continue to, to remind you of why you're doing this. Um, so that you just don't lose, lose sight of, of that and, and kind of get caught up in the mundane, the mundane day to day. Yeah. Cause that mundane day to day can really like make you feel like this is impossible or it's something that you can't do. Yeah. And, if, and I, I love, there's so many quotes about that, like just, you know, impossible being kind of impossible is just this really interesting word, I think, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's so much about perception too. And I think I am constantly trying to challenge myself with that as well. And I, my, my partner, Ashley is really, is really, it's, it's good to have a partner now. And I, I was doing it alone for a while, but I think really the benefit of, of having a partner is that, you know, yeah. you keep on, if, if someone says that's impossible, we can't do that. It's like just to have someone to be like, well, why not? You know, and then to kind of actually work through that questioning process, yeah. um, and, and actually get to the, this answer where you're like, oh, well, actually I think that is possible. Like, I think we could do that, you know, in these kind of backwards, um, finding the loophole ways, which is, it's kind of a fun thing to, to go through as well. So I was going to ask you because I did see, you know, that you have a partner now. So at what point did you bring Ashley on and has that totally changed your entire, you know, outlook in terms of the company or or how has that impacted you to kind of create, I think in some ways, maybe more of a community around you for Mm -hmm. full pantry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting because I'm definitely, um, I've always been the type of person that like wants to, to control things are like mm-hmm. wants to feel in control and wants to feel like everything's stable and whatever else. But, you know, no good things were built alone. And I, I really realized I was like, I, I was building this alone for maybe, you know, since, since I incorporated in September, 2015 and until, um, until March of, or I guess August of this past year, that's when Ashley joined on. And so it was one of those things where it was like, I realized I was like, you know, there's only, there's only so much you can do as one person. And of course there were other people who are contributing and kind of jumping in, but, um, just to, to be able to kind of take off some of the, the roles and the responsibilities and be yeah. able to trust other people to, to be able to kind of be competent and, and do things their way and, and do a good job with them. And so, yeah, it's definitely been um, a learning experience of how to kind of manage expectations when you're bringing in other people, but it's also just such a beautiful thing to be able to have someone, you know, by your side at all times and you push each other in ways that, in ways that you just 
sometimes you can't do yourself. And I think that's like really where, you know, all of us, I mean, when we're searching for people to, to add into our life, whether it be a relationship or just friendships, it's like, you always look for people who are going to push you and really invest in and in making you your, your best self. And I think that that's the benefit of, you know, bringing Ashley on board is that we really, we really do do that for each other. I love that. You're so yeah. right. I think in any aspect of your life, you really want to bring in those people that will really push you to be, yes. you know, the best version of yourself, but also like tell it to you straight, like, yeah. hey, we need to push ourselves here. We need to do this differently. It's really yeah. cool to hear how that has really that choice, you know, to to bring on a partner and and expand, I think, yourself in that way too. It's really cool to see how it's how it's really impacted you. Yeah. I love it. So you've really followed your passions, it sounds like, with Pulp Pantry. And um, I think you said it at the beginning of our conversation, just this aspect of food justice and inner kind of like food waste warrior and <laughs> and not you yeah. know wanting anything to go to waste. And it's that really wonderful aspect of sustainability and impact. And has it been easy for you to follow your passions or did you have moments where it was like, mm, maybe I'm on the wrong course? No, I think it's been really easy, um, especially because, you know, as you're younger, I think it's just, you know, you have different resources. Like like in college, there's just so many opportunities, I think, to to just expand, um, yeah. expand into, into different opportunity areas or explore, you know, different fields of, of study or just join different clubs or whatever else. And I think it gets harder a little bit as you get older, because you really do have to put yourself out um, of your comfort zone more often yeah. to, to get those to those opportunities. And whether it be, you know, joining different groups and, um, you know, just kind of sitting in different networking opportunities so that you can meet people who are in, in different, um, different fields or disciplines or whatever else, or just connect with people who have to share a same passion as, as you, I think right now, obviously like doing something, um, like pole pantry has allowed me to, to exist in those spaces and, and do it in a way that kind of is, is connecting over an idea. And I always say that that's like one of the most beneficial things is to realize how much, um, ideas play as a, as a kind of a connecting force. And so, you know, you meet people who, who are also big dreamers and you, you share ideas and you kind of through that process are, are building a relationship with people. And so, I mean, yeah, it's been right now, it's definitely easy for me, but I can see how, you know, it's hard when you're like, when you're working a nine to five job or something that doesn't necessarily make you feel like super passionate, you know, it's hard to find a way to pay the bills and also marry that to your passion. And so I think a lot of people I know struggle with that, especially at my age and, you know, having graduated from college, but then jumping right into a corporate job. But yeah, in general, I think it's just, it's kind of, um, not being afraid to kind of test the limits of what we think of as this linear path that we have to follow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being able to kind of continue to, um, not, yeah, not live in kind of doubt or fear of, Hey, what if, you know, what if this doesn't work out, but just being able to say like, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to give this a try. And if it doesn't work out, I know that I'm, I'm going to be okay. But, um, you know, I don't want to be kind of questioning whether or not this is possible. And that, that applies to people who want to start companies. Right. And, um, but are like, I don't know if it's really going to work. And it's just, you can test in really small ways and you can kind of do things that are somewhat safe still, and then still kind of be building on this, this larger vision too. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely is not easy. I, I will say that. 
Yeah, but I love what you just said too about how testing the limits of what's possible and starting small. So you don't have to dive into starting a company, yeah. you know, right away. You can you can test it out in other ways. And I, I think that's really good advice, especially kind of for our age demographic, where I think yeah. um, it's interesting. I think some of us in our early to mid to late 20s or even early 30s, you know, are willing to test those limits. And then others yeah. are like, oh, oh no, like I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, like, what if it fails? And it's like, well, you'll never know unless you try. So you're really like a living embodiment of this. No, it's good to, I think it's good to just like get kind of in the habit of just questioning the, the root cause, like the root cause or the root intention that kind of is telling you, oh no, no, that's not possible. You know, it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a hard practice to, to own. And sometimes it's hard to be honest with yourself in those moments. But, um, my sister and I were talking the other day and it was really funny because she was talking about core values and how they, it's kind of like you have this core value and therefore it impacts this kind of core fear also. Mm. And one of the things that, you know, it's like either maybe you have a fear of rejection because your core value is being likable or, you know, there's these, these interesting polarities. And I think it's like just doing that deep work on yourself and understanding what drives or motivates you is really important because then you can kind of uncover why um, you, you kind of have these doubts or fears and kind of it, it always goes back to this like, you know, this central almost belief of who you are. And that's always relative to how others perceive you too. So it's like bringing in all of these different awareness factors. It's really hard. Again, it's really hard to do, but I mean, all of us, it's like, yeah, we just have to do that deep work to kind of challenge um, some of the assumptions that we have so that we can really reach our full potential because obviously, you know, we, we want, all of us want to live a beautiful and um, a passionate life, but I think it's not always just it's not super easy to do that. You know, it's like you yeah. do have to put in some work. Yeah. And it's not linear, just like you said earlier yeah, too, exactly. you know? And so being willing to kind of go with the highs and the lows of, of any given moment of what you're trying to do. And I, I wrote this down. I love this line. You said that your core values impact your core fear. I've never mm -hmm. thought about it that way. But it mm -hmm. makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, for me, and it's kind of going back, it's like, I, I was talking to my sister. I mean, I swear she should be a therapist. She is my therapist. <laughs> she, like, honestly, you know, she, sisters <laughs> and friends sometimes are the best, are the best yeah, therapists. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you, you don't, other people see you and, and they, they see things so much more clearly than sometimes you can. But she was like, you know, your core fear is that you're incapable because, and, and because of that, and one of your core values is like, is kind of wanting to feel stable and wanting to feel like you have control. And, um, she was like, you have to kind of learn to, you know, and that's, that's been a challenge for me is learning how to give up control yeah. and trust in other people because, um, because I do so badly want to feel like everything's controlled and whatever else, but it's like the nature of entrepreneurship. It's kind of like, it is really, um, almost not in my nature to be an entrepreneur, but I, although I, I love it, it's just that, you know, I, I want so badly to control. And to some extent, it's like, you're always going to have things thrown at you when you're trying to build a business and you have to learn to just like, okay, well, there goes that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, just like, and trust in other people to do, do a good job and, and not worry so much about, I'm, I'm such a perfectionist sometimes. And I'm definitely learning to just be like, ease off of that, you know, and, and really just, um, as long as things are moving in the right direction, don't get so caught up in all these like small, fine details um, and just kind of being a little bit more free with that. And I think it really, it takes some of the pressure off too. 
Yeah, I think that's, listen, you and I share very similar core values then because for me, I mean, I'm such a perfectionist and I have issues with control also, you know. I love it. I like, it's always this idea of like no one can do it as as well as you can, but the truth is there, there are people out there that can do it a hell of a lot better because these are things that they specialize in or they went to school in. And so they know, yeah. you know, how to do things. And so I think especially, you know, learning how to let go of that control and, and being okay with that, you know, I think it's a real process for, for so many of us. Yeah. So kind of along the same lines, because it sounds like Pulp Pantry has really had a strong impact on your life. Yeah. Have you seen a really big change with I guess, you know, how you see yourself and how you interact with others and in the last, I guess, almost three years, right? Since you've, you really incorporated and, and started Pulp Pantry. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have, um, you know, have become so much more self-aware and, um, that, that has been, you know, one of the, the biggest benefits of starting a business is that you don't actually realize how much it's going to teach you about yourself as yeah. well. Um, and I've also just learned a lot about, you know, how other people work and how other people interact and how, how I need to set up a foundation so that other people can thrive within this kind of business ecosystem. Um, and I think just being empathetic to that and, and kind of meeting people where they are is definitely like a constant challenge. And you just realize that people are like the greatest asset to any company, but they're also, you know, it's also one of the hardest things to manage. And so through kind of trying to learn about other people and the environments they need to succeed, I've definitely uncovered a lot of things about myself um, and, and confronted a lot of challenges and limitations to, you know, maybe it's just the way that I was raised and, and kind of the, the belief sets that I have. And it's, it's just a constant, it's a constant negotiation. Um, I think yeah. My perception of reality, and then kind of trying to push past those limits too. And I, I love it. It's like a, it's a, it's a constant journey, and it doesn't mean that it's easy, of course. But there's nothing better than just like kind of really viscerally feeling your growth as a person and kind of understanding that. And again, through writing and journaling and and being really thoughtful about kind of taking the learning experiences from each each step of the way. Um, yeah, I feel like that has been a really amazing um, process for me. Although I will say. You know, I, I get really excited about taking more time out for self-care or taking more time out for reflection. Yeah. And sometimes the madness of just running a company gets in the way. And, and I, mm-hmm. I'll go through, you know, periods of like months where I, oh my gosh, I didn't work out or I haven't worked out or treated myself to, you know, yoga or meditated or all these things that I know bring me joy. Um, and it's not, I, I have a lot of self-compassion. I think I'm not, I'm not very hard on myself and I understand, you know, it, it isn't going to be super easy to build those things in. Um, but as long as, you know, I keep on pushing on with those intentions to do so and, and trying to make the steps to make it happen, yeah. I'm, I'm in a good place. Yeah, this is really interesting that you brought that up because something that I've been really wondering about, especially in the the world of entrepreneurship, is how do you really cultivate, you know, that self-love and that self-care when you're really in the trenches, especially at the beginning, you know, to create something. So when you're doing it on your own or if you have a small team, I mean, there is really no nine to five, right? It's like a constant like all day, all night until you really learn either how to set those boundaries for yourself or things shift, you know, in a different way. So I love how you started to really touch on that self-care and that self-compassion. And so where you're at now, I guess, almost right three years later, are you able to really incorporate more self-care and self-love in, into this journey for yourself while diving into being an entrepreneur and growing your business? I mean, what does that 
what does that look like for you? Um, yeah, I think, you know, right now I'm definitely in a, a hustle mode. Yeah. And it's hard because I think like a lot of the times you can convince yourself that this hustle mode is I, I, I just can't, you know, I can't work out or I can't meditate because I really just need to focus on like, you know, moving forward with these directives. Um, and and I, I always know that, you know, you can always build in 30 minutes in your day for self-care. And like for me, what that looks like is I take an hour in the morning and I before I start doing anything really, yeah. I, you know, take my time just getting kind of easing into the day. And to me, that that really sets the tone for the day and kind of allows me to, to jump in and, and be energized and kind of uh, be calm and collected. But yeah, it is definitely it has definitely been hard to kind of figure out, you know, how can I um, through this kind of process of madness, still, still make time for my friends and still make time for my family and still you know, and not feel guilty about that. Um, and so, yeah, it's a kind of, it's, it's kind of a constant learning journey with that because I know that, you know, say, just saying that it'll happen in the future is not really, is not really a good, yeah. a good policy to have because you really can't, you can't really tell what's going to happen in the future. And I think, um, I'm still kind of learning how to, how to balance all of those things. Yeah. I love how you have a morning routine though. And I think that's yeah. so important to set yourself up for the day. So like, don't grab your phone right away and do things no, that yeah. you love. And so you're not sort of like overwhelmed and flooded with like yeah. your email list or your to-do list. And because I think you're right when you're in that hustle mode, it's like all you see is hustle. You don't see anything outside of those kind of blinders that I think you have to put on to really get something off the ground and to keep going. And, yeah. But at the same time, you know, to have that stamina to keep going, you have to take that time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I for me, it's like even just you know cooking or making a nice tea in the morning, whatever else. It's it's really good because I um, I realize I'm like these are things that I'm consciously aware that are nourishing myself. Like yeah. it's like a nourishing activity. You know, I look at like the food as nourishment, and and I don't want to deprive myself of the things that will keep me healthy and happy. And so, um, you know, not feeling guilty about those things and just realizing, Hey, this is actually like, this is essential to me, you know, having longevity and really building a company is a game of longevity and and perseverance. And it's not about this kind of short-term sprint. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm always kind of realizing that I have to, I have to make a commitment every day to kind of some element of, of rejuvenation and kind of getting back, getting back into an energizing mode so that I can tackle more, more of the work that I want to do. Yeah. That's such a good perspective too, that you have. And I think so many people are really going to benefit, you know, from hearing this and within kind of setting up your day and you take that hour for yourself in the morning. And then do you cut yourself off at a certain time at night or? Yeah. At night. I mean, honestly, I, I usually don't get home until super late. Um, and at night I'll usually come home and I'll, I'll try to just read. So I'll try to like unwind, you know, maybe it's, yeah. it's showering or taking, you know, just cleaning up and feeling kind of refreshed and then just, just reading in bed or writing in bed and kind of having a little bit of a reflection period as well. I just started doing something called the, you know, the five minute journal. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, but I love that too, of just kind of a reflection of the day and being able to, and it, and it really does help me, you know, some of those prompts in the five minute journal actually help me to, um, write on my own because it kind of helps me to reflect on these various different aspects of what happened in the day and how I can kind of do better next time or, or maybe, you know, some of the positive things and, and just kind of capturing that moment so that I can always look back on it too. So it's definitely, it's definitely a very short evening for me. I don't have a lot of unwind time, but yeah. I think 
think it's good to just get your get your mind out of the grit of kind of the your you know what your day was in running the business and and actually taking a step back and and reading either something that's just another passion passionate pursuit for you or um, even if it's reading something related to building pulp pantry just kind of seeing that there is an outside world again you know and I think that's really important. Yeah, it's that piece about balance too, you know, and I love how you've been talking about nourishment and things that you really incorporate in your life to nourish you, which takes me all the way back to Pulp Pantry and creating, you know, food and products that nourish and are sustainable at the same time. And what is like your your 10-year goal for Pulp Pantry? Where Where would you really love to see it go? Well, the 10-year goal is definitely looking at, um, you know, just – the center aisle of any grocery store, really. Mm-hmm. And, and looking and seeing that I had a really impactful moment where I was in Wisconsin and we were going through a grocery store um, and there were maybe four rows of just cereal and granola. And turning over the nutritional label on each of those packets, I just realized, I was like, you know, there's a really clear opportunity for us to redefine this whole category because so many Americans are filling their shopping carts with food that's just not, it doesn't provide nourishment. And it's really not healthy, and it's just kind of these empty calories of sugar and um, and grains, and it, it it's not it's obviously not supporting kind of a building block for a for a healthy and thriving life because it's really not going to help you know from a dietary perspective and um, yeah. and and nutrition perspective, it's not going to help you have the energy that you need to really go achieve great things in your day. And so I think for Pulp Pantry, you know, the goal is to not only help juiceries eliminate waste. And I really want to do that on a large scale and provide this kind of full service solution for every organic waste producer where we can go and we can take, um, we can take their product and we can turn it into food, but we can also, you know, turn it into animal feed. We can turn it into compost if we can't use all of the rest of it. And so, you know, not having, having a choice for those juiceries to have a choice and to say, I have a more sustainable solution and therefore I can act on my values as a business owner to, you know, create a business that actually um, is helping the world be a better place. Um, and I really want to provide that solution for juiceries. But then on the other hand of nutrition, which is really where I get uh, passionate again, is just um, being able to say, how can we provide a cereal or a granola to everyone in America that gives them a choice that's more nutritious and still tastes delicious and still kind of meets all of these these check boxes that that we really need in society. And you know, everyone's constantly on the go and we're looking for things that are more convenient. And so evolving with um, our consumers and kind of and just learning about how to meet them where they are. Um, that's really important to me. And I think, you know, the evolution of of our consumer products will be it will just continue to be based on, you know, what we observe as the real needs um, of of the people who are really passionate about what we're building and trying to kind of support them and and their life and support them in living a healthier life. Yeah, I love this because I I think it's really important to give people that choice, but also give them the knowledge behind those choices. So to explain, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, what's in the product and where does it come from and what are the other options too for that pulp that, uh, you know, can be turned into fertilizer and compost, just like you said. So I'm just a huge fan, obviously, of what you're doing and so excited about it. And what what has really been the most rewarding part of all this for you? Um, I think the most rewarding thing is definitely just the relationships that have been built and, you know, whether it be people who we've met at events who are customers or if it's, you know, people who are juicery brands who are really passionate about what we're doing, um, even being a part of the food waste working group at the LA Food Policy Council and meeting so many amazing activists in this kind of, in in my discipline. It's like, that's one of the best things. And I can know that those are 
relationships that will, you know, that exist far beyond just pulp pantry itself, but are also, you know, personal friends that I've made and who I love talking about ideas with. And I think um, it's been super enriching to my life and has also been really enriching to, to building this business. So um, it's always, it always goes back to the people, doesn't it? <laughs> always. And it's those relationships yeah. and that community, you know, that you really have the opportunity to build around you and also be part of that I think propels you to keep going because without it, you know, you're kind of existing on an island. Yes, I definitely agree. Who has been your biggest inspiration so far? My biggest inspiration, I think, I look at people like, I mean, you know, anyone as big as um, Michelle Obama, right? And, yeah. and how she really took um, took kids as her kind and, and kids in health as her primary focus. I mean, she did an amazing job with creating more of kind of an awareness of needing to change the culture around food and nutrition and, and health and in America. And I think um, people like that are super inspiring. And then I also look on the local level of you know, Los Angeles and all the people who just have their hands on something bigger than them. Right. And, and even in the food waste working group at the LA food policy council, I mean, those are people who are just so passionate about creating solutions and in their own small way, but also coming together as a group to say like, how do we support the efforts of each other um, to make kind of our initiatives even, even bigger. And so uh, even, you know, if you look at um, people like Ron Finley or even, you know, the people foundation, um, which is the the urban garden that I interned for. I mean, those are people who every single day are showing up and that's bigger than them and are showing up in, in really a way that kind of on a person to person basis, they're transforming lives one by one. And I think it's just amazing to see, yeah, just see people who are so, so committed to that. And it gives me kind of, it gives me hope and, and faith and also gets me really excited to be building a part, a piece of that movement, you know, and, and one piece of that collaborative effort. Yeah, I love this. And it's really that passion and that collaboration. I can just hear it in your voice. And when you're talking about it, that has really just kept you going and shown you that you're really on the right path. And so if there's someone out there that's listening to this episode and is really inspired by you, because, you know, you did start this business at 22 and you've been on such a remarkable mm -hmm. journey. And, and I think you're constantly growing. I think the sky is really the limit. And I think for, you know, there's this aspect of being a young entrepreneur, but also being a female entrepreneur entrepreneur at such a young age. And so if there's anyone that's listening, you know, what would be your biggest piece of advice just in terms of, you know, if they want to create something that they're passionate about, or even kind of follow that trail of, of breadcrumbs, you know, of what they're passionate about? I mean, yeah, I think it's, you know, just going back to this idea that the world doesn't need more of the status quo. And I think the world really needs more people who have this like call to action to, to really shake things up. And although you're going to be met with resistance from, you know, people who, who have their interests vested in, um, Vested in kind of things as the way they are. I mean, we really, we do need a lot of change in this country, right? Like we need, yeah. we need a lot of change when it comes to our food system, when it comes to just um, sustainability and the way that we do business. And when it comes to even like, you know, health and well-being and the fact that, you know, so many people in America have, are struggling with issues like depression and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, whatever the interest is, it's like, if you see that there's a need to change, I mean, really like 
that is a responsibility that we all have to kind of make the world a better place. And I, I, I just, I feel like, you know, taking the ego out of it and taking away some of those fears, because what if I fail? What if I do this? And actually turning towards more of this kind of holistic look at people need, like people need this, there's a need for this and, and kind of taking it outside of the self. I mean, through that process, you will be able to combat some of your, some of the fears and some of the internal issues that kind of prevent you from wanting to move forward. Um, so I, I, I just, I think it's, it's definitely kind of connecting to a higher calling and a, and a vision that will really propel you forward and continuing to kind of exist in that dream state so that you can, you can combat some of the, the self-doubt, um, that we all, that we all face, you know, we all have yeah. moments of doubt. So, um, that's, I think that's really important. Yeah. Oh, I love this. And I think it's about, you know, switching up that mindset from that fear place to really saying, Hey, you know, even if I'm scared, I can do this and I can push past it. And I've really loved hearing just about the mindset that you've really incorporated for yourself throughout this entire journey. And speaking of kind of being in that dream state, what is your biggest dream? I mean, my biggest dream is just that, you know, on a very basic level, we don't have to struggle to have our needs met, our basic needs met um, in, in terms of just health and nutrition, especially. I think, um, you know, having those building blocks across the world will really help us to achieve greater things and not have to, you know, it, it, it will help us to avoid conflict. And um, I think a lot of conflict, you know, you see actually does stem from this idea of food security and food insecurity. Mm -hmm. And when you're insecure about some of your basic needs, it really makes it hard to live a meaningful life, right? And I think all of us have right to that. And I I know that, you know, we look at like GMOs and all these things to kind of meet the the demand for food. But really where we should be looking to is just, you know, we waste 40% of food in the United States. And I think um, instead of looking at how do we produce more food, why don't we look at how to distribute food more equitably and kind of close that, close that gap. And so, um, yeah, my biggest dream is really that we can, uh, create a more, a more fair and just system for all. And that kind of, it extends beyond food, but it's, you know, racial inequities and it's all these things that we're dealing with in America and beyond, um, and just kind of have, have it so that each individual is able to kind of invest in their potential, um, and achieve great things. And I think, um, that is, is, really my my greatest dream oh i love this and you are playing such a role in it with pulp pantry and i've so enjoyed this conversation and where can everyone find you find pulp pantry and and try this amazing granola which i had the chance to try last year so where can they where can they find you yes i mean um i definitely want to get you samples again too because things are things are changing but yes oh my gosh i would love to see what's going on now yes no i'm excited I will definitely, I will definitely share with you. Um, but we are, we're available on Amazon and we're also available on pulpantry.com. Um, and you can find us on, on social. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, and our name is just Pulp Pantry on all of those. So would love to keep in touch and have anyone reach out if, if they're interested in learning more and talking more. Okay. Thank you, Caitlin. I will include thank all you. of that uh, in the show notes. So everyone will be able to find you and find Pulp Pantry. And thank you for coming on and sharing, you know, more about your yes. entrepreneurial journey and just, you know, where Pulp Pantry began. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you again for thinking of us. It was, it was really nice to talk to you. And I loved all the questions.